What's up, guys? I'm Tyler Hosley, and this week I learned that I own at least like seven pairs of pants with flamingos on them. Nice. I I have two. Well, one's a swim trunk. I don't know if that counts. I also have like a button-up shirt. It's like a dress shirt that has flamingos all over it, too, so I can wear the pants and the shirt and just be covered in flamingos. I'm like nice. the, the definition of Florida white trash. God damn, that's the sexiest thing you've ever said on this podcast. It is. It really is. I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned uh, sometimes it's not what you expect, but it's still going to hurt you in the end. I'm Kevin Matthews, Scottish film fan living in England, and this week I learned um, uh, guys, I learned nothing again. I learned actually that uh, sometimes Tyler can be made very, very happy by choices that we get from uh, randomly picked listeners, actually. That's one thing I learned. Yay. This is true. Yeah. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yay! Now, as this isn't the uh, yet the the killer special, uh, we can swear this week, can't we? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got to see a couple of movies at the the cinema. And uh, one of them has Jason Statham looking after fucking bees. He minds a fucking hive. He gets a fucking honey. And he looks after the fucking queen. And uh, despite Tyler saying this is better than anything in the John Wick universe, which only goes to prove that we are co-hosting a podcast with someone deeply affected by the Floridian strain of syphilis, it's a fun time um, and and I will admit that Air uh, handled the action better than I thought he might because you know David Air as much I, I know that Tyler's a big fan I know that we aren't always big fans but I think you could say that you wouldn't necessarily think of him doing smooth and well choreographed action sequences and the the beekeeper isn't you know it's it's no masterpiece in that regard but it's it's pretty good it's not over edited to headache levels um it, i i think what well, i like to think that it's self-aware and and knows how much fun it's being see it's directed by david air but it's also written by kurt rimmer and we know again the main fan of Kurt Rimmer in this podcast is Tyler. It's true. God knows how many times that boy will try and convert people to watch. Like, did Rimmer also write Babylon AD, Tyler? Did he? I don't know. Did he? Or am I get? Am I get mixed up? No. Yeah, he, uh, he did. He did Ultraviolet. He did Ultraviolet. Yeah. yeah. And um, he did the Gun Fu one, didn't he? Yep, Equilibrium. He also uh, he also wrote uh, well co-wrote with David Ayer uh, Street Kings. All right, I I quite liked uh, Street Kings, so that's fine. I I can't recall who did Babylonia D. I'm getting them uh, I'm getting them confused seriously anyway. But um, yeah, I I thought the script will be weak. I thought the action isn't going to be uh, great, but this was for me um, good fun. It took me a while to realize it was good fun because I wasn't sure Stath was doing his Stath stuff 
and that's all well and good. But then the baddies come along and Josh Hutcherson has been the kind of like blonde highlighted douche bro that you've seen from 20, 30 years ago. So he's fun. Jeremy Irons has a small role. There's a guy in the third act who could have almost literally stepped off the set of one of the first two Lethal Weapon movies uh, with his attitude and accent. And then Statham, like the twist here is Statham doing his one-man army thing and being kind of John Wick-ish is all well and good, but he will go up to people in their face and just tell them what he's about to do or just be right there and set them uh, to chasing him, which is luring them to the fate he has planned. And that's quite fun. It's quite fun to see Statham with two big canisters of fuel talking to building security guards saying, I'm going in there and going to burn this place to the ground. And then they're like, no, you're not. And then he goes in and sets out to burn the place to the ground. It's, uh, yeah. If you like Statham movies, you're not going to be disappointed. But I do think you need to sort of get the, the humour of it as well. Because surprisingly, I like Vicky wasn't as impressed with this, and she's usually quite an easy mark for Statham movies. But I enjoyed it a bit more than she did. Uh, Daddy Dave will be happy. I finally watched Rodan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through the, the kaijus, and obviously, I know of Rodan as a kaiju, um, and this will happen a lot with the other films that I watch. But this was good, I don't think it's as good as a uh, Godzilla or Mothra, so it's the weakest of the, the big three as well. But it's, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like the I like the setup with the smaller creatures at the start and then how things develop. Um, it was just like a, a really good time. So most kaiju movie fans will already know that. I watched Nyad or Nyad uh, about the free water swimming lady. It is um, a film with really good performances from Annette Benning and Jodie Foster and Reese Ifans, who even does quite well with uh, an accent here. And it does try to at least mention uh, that Diana Nyad um, would often perhaps try to um, massage the truth to give herself uh, a better legend. Like it, it does acknowledge that there are people who would doubt the veracity of all of the claims that she has made through life but it's still an extraordinary journey it's it's an, an amazing uh, achievement and there are things there that's you know as as an outsider looking at the the world of uh, free water swimming challenges there are things here that come up that I just wouldn't have thought about and other people may find surprising, you know, what they do to to keep other dangers at bay. What happens with the timing of uh, getting sustenance into their body, and even at either end, making sure that the the participant isn't like touched by anyone inadvertently to make the whole thing null and void. 
uh, it was good. But I'm assuming neither of you two have rushed to watch that one. No, I've seen it. I have. Oh, have you? Did yeah. you did you like the performances, Dave? Yes, they they were excellent. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't know if I I mean it was it was a really good year for female performances. But yeah, no, I I caught Nyad on uh, Netflix this week. Was it Netflix? Yeah. Well, yeah. I saw it on Netflix. It's, it's on there. It, it, you're right. It was a really good year for female performances. And um, strangely enough, though, watching this, I was with both the, the main performances. I was just like, yeah. You know, if people wanted to put them up for consideration, I'm like, I don't have a big problem with that. I know there were other people jostling for a, a spot at the table, as it were, there. But I'm like, yeah, both performances are, are very good for different reasons um so i like that i also got on to cinema to watch american fiction american fiction is a lot of fun jeffrey wright plays an author who um isn't really having much success and basically he is um frustrated by the fact that he doesn't want to write uh, I'll, I'll do quotation marks that you can't see, but, you know, black fiction. And if he sees his books in store and they're put in the, you know, African-American author section or specifically black fiction, he wants to move them. He just says they're fiction and he doesn't want to pander to uh, stereotypes or just, uh, I think, what he calls at one point trauma porn. Uh, so... He, at one point, though, takes on a pseudonym and writes the kind of trash that he would hate, which, of course, becomes a huge success. And he uh, creates this alter ego that he doesn't want too many people to meet. So it's it's really good. Um, just, just a lot of fun and uh, a lot of really smart, savvy points are, are made. It's funny that I've watched this not long after reading the book Yellowface, uh, which was about an author sort of taking someone else's work and weaving her own voice through it um, because they are both about, you know, the, the stories that people choose to tell and who who gets to tell them, whether they can tell stories from the lives of others or whether they should, you know, as it were, stay in their own lane. Uh, and then all, ev- all the baggage that comes with the um, the cultural divide and the, the the melting pot in America with the, the whole mess that's gone on for years and years and years, he said, understating everything in one sentence. But I highly recommend it. You've not been able to say that yet, have you, Dave? No, but it's been on my list. I think you like it. I know that um, I, I'm pretty sure you're a Jeffrey Wright fan. I love me some Je- I think Jeffrey Wright's one of the best actors working today who is often totally wasted in things. Yeah, so, yes. well, he's, he gets plenty to sink his teeth into here. He's great. He's not necessarily uh, always likable, which is, is great. And uh, Sterling K. Brown has a great supporting role. I think he's up for a supporting actor nomination at the Oscars. Uh, and and yeah. again, well, both performances are 
certainly deserve it for getting recognition. Uh, and last and least, I clicked on to Amazon Prime and I watched Roleplay. And Roleplay is crap. There's a married couple having a date night away from the kids, bit of roleplay. Uh, the married couple is played by Kaylee Croco and David Oyelowo. I don't know if I ever say his surname right. I apologise. No, yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> I think uh, so. And it turns out that she works as a paid assassin sometimes and complications and hilarity ensue. Apart from there's nothing funny in this and there's no good action. So I I don't know what it was meant to be, like a marriage drama with some of the trappings of what should have been an action comedy. The highlight of this is Bill Nye, who appears for about two or three scenes, being uh, at his Bill nye and that's really good. The rest is just like it's it's pretty rubbish. It's competent and extremely dull. So just forget I even mentioned it right now. Yep, wiped. That's me. Uh, well, as I said earlier, I also saw Nyad, and I did not care for it so much. Um, I will say I think the cast was really good. I just didn't think it was a well-told story. I think they skipped over all the interesting things to focus on trying to tell an inspirational tale. But the the truth is, it, it's not, in reality, a very inspirational tale. And she might have lied about I mean, you know, there's a, no independent verification. And these things have a, a lot of people. I mean, even unassisted swims involve multiple vessels and a big crew and like, you know, it's it. they didn't tell the interesting story because it's messy. So instead they told what they thought was an empowering story and it's just kind of flat. I, I don't think it's a good look at any of the people involved. I think the cast brings their A game and tries really hard, but they're let down by the director and the script. But uh, I I do know that I'm I I don't know what the general consensus is because I think Kevin's the only person I've I know offhand that has seen it. Uh, just for me, I, I felt it was a missed opportunity, and it's a shame because uh, yeah, Net Benning does bring her a game. She she's swinging for the fences through the whole film, and it just does not it doesn't rise to what she's bringing. I mean, now you say that, I also can't think of anyone else who's actually watched it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that it's getting attention, but I, I don't know if it. I, I think folks might be expecting more going in because it, it is a Netflix film, and uh, like it did a tiny November. Uh, run to qualify for um uh for oscars but like i i don't know if anybody's actually again you're the only person i know i know for a fact that has seen it so i'm, I'm not sure what that says 
I, I don't think a lot of people will enjoy it, though. I mean, it has bits, but it, it misses the bigger picture for an easier-to-sell story, which I, I think is a shame. But uh, besides that, I watched two other films by uh, one of this week's directors, uh, Shinkai Makoto. I am quite a fan of Makoto's work. I'm not saying anything about the film we'll be discussing later. But I watched uh, Weathering With You, which was uh, its 2019 follow-up that does actually connect to your name. And, um, oh crap, I'm totally brain farted on what the name was. Um, Five centimeters per second. I knew I'd remember it. Which is uh, three stories in the life of of one uh, young Japanese man. and his his relationships. <clears throat> I really like five centimeters per second. I don't think it's his best, but it is very, very good. It's it's very. Um, he just really gets character in a way that I, I like. A lot of live action and other anime directors do not. <clears throat> It's it's a really good one and uh, absolutely gorgeous in its animation. And that was me. Oh, well, I also watched, uh, speaking of anime, because I still have Crunchyroll for a little while, I watched um, I'm My Next Life is the Villainous, All Roads Lead to Doom. It's a TV series, and that was adorable. Yay. What's this uh, latest problem with Crunchyroll? Nothing. Just I've been watching a lot of Crunchyroll because I have a subscription for now. Oh, I thought it done something with no. some service. It meant people were losing their um. Um, people are losing things. Uh, Sony bought fu- Sony's own Crunchyroll. I think always they bought Funimation a couple months ago. That's it, Funimation. And I think. Yeah, they're they're shutting down Funimation stuff, which um, people are losing access to things they bought years ago. I'm sure they're going to try to find some way to fix it, but I haven't heard their solution yet. But this this is probably going to become a recurring issue in in all digital world, Mm -hmm. which is why, again, for the thousandth time... If you really like something, you should get it in a physical copy because digital can go away, especially when we're dealing with international digital projects. Um, I mean, a- anime is actually a, a great thing to, to discuss for it because there's a lot of it out there and a ton of it never gets a disc release. So there's... Um, I think I've mentioned the series before. There's a, a series called Rascal Does Not Dream, which is it, like in Japan, it's very popular. There's a popular uh, light novel series. I think it's still running. That got a popular TV show. There's three film spinoffs and there's going to be a another TV series continuing it. All And it's all the same company doing these. But... 
the movies, I think only two of them ever showed here. And one of them, well, I think the, the third one hasn't had a release yet, but they didn't get a, a disc release. Or if they did, it was so small, it's impossible to find it. They're not streaming anywhere at all. So you can't you can't even watch them here if you didn't catch the one night super special screening they had in 2020 of the first film, which I think happened right before all theaters shut down. So, you know, I mean, you can't see that that's going to become more and more common. It won't just be anime anymore. It's going to be it's going to be domestic films. It's going to be TV shows. I mean, so again, if there's something you like, grab the physical. So I didn't watch any movies this week, but I did watch the entire Netflix miniseries Griselda about the Colombian uh, drug queenpin Griselda Blanco, who was played by Sofia Vergara. Um, She is fucking phenomenal here. I mean, she just fucking brings it to this role. I've only ever really seen Vagara in like Modern Family and that one uh that buddy cop movie with with um what's her name? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Um I mean she had a couple small bit parts in like Lords of Dogtown and Four Brothers, but that was really before anyone knew who she really was. But I hope this role gives her more dramatic stuff to do because like I said, she is fucking great in this role. You you lose Sophia Vergara in this character. That's how good she is. Um, this, it's definitely her best work to date. Uh, the show, it's great stuff, though. And if you liked stuff like Narcos or the movie Blow or the two cocaine cowboy documentaries, which I highly recommend. Those are great. Um, this is great. It's just it's a great period piece. Um, good soundtrack. It's yeah. And, and if you like like drug movies or drug shows, it's I can't recommend this one enough. It's probably one of the best Netflix miniseries I've seen. It's it's that good. So yeah, check that out. And uh, even if you're not like a fan of Vagara, give her a chance because I think Modern Family kind of pigeonholed her into a certain role. And uh, this, she just totally breaks that with this role. She's so good here. I just, I can't stress that enough. She fucking rocks it. But um, yeah, that's me. This week, we watched the 2016 animated Japanese film Your Name and the 1989 American crime drama film Drugstore Cowboy. Hey, T. Yes, sir. Would you like to pick a movie and tell me about it? I would love to, and I'm going to go with Drugstore Cowboy. Shocker. I know. I'm so surprised. How? How fucking shocked are you guys right now? Just... Just totally shocked. Anyways, Drugstore Cowboy is about a group of drug addicts in the 1970s who helped finance their habit by robbing pharmacies. Um, Drugstore Cowboy is an all-time favorite film of mine. I absolutely adore this movie and its cast. Van Sant has, this, has a way of balancing tones really well, too. I mean, this is dark subject matter. Addiction is fucking bleak, and so is this movie, but it also has some lighter moments as well, and the tonal shifts never feel out of place. The whole thing just kind of blends together naturally, and it just goes to show you how great this script actually is and how well this cast carries it. I think the performance of – I think this is the performance of Matt Dillon's career. Um, 
I like him in a lot of other stuff, but this role for me is by far his best. He's crazy charismatic. He's just, he's fucking excellent here. Heather Graham is great. Kelly Lynch, I really like. James LaGrosse. This core group, for me, I think they're fantastic, and they play off each other so well. Love seeing uh, William S. Burroughs pop up, and uh, James Remar is always great to see. He's always great. Um, it's The whole movie, it's about a group of broken human beings suffering from addictions, and honestly, those are the kind of characters I always personally connect with. Just Van Sant has such a natural way of telling these kind of heart-wrenching stories and making you actually feel for these people because he treats them like actual human beings. I just, I, I love the whole vibe of this film. The soundtrack is fucking great. The pacing is perfect. Like, like I said, Gus Van Sant has made quite a few movies. I love, we covered my own private Idaho. Love that movie to die for is great. I love paranoid park. I know that's mixed with some people, but, uh, I just, I love paranoid park, but, um, drugstore cowboy, is his absolute masterpiece. It's just a fantastic film. Man, I hate to have to disagree with Tyler so quick. Damn. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think there's some really good things about Drugstore Cowboy. Uh, Matt Dillon's performance is excellent. I think um, um, uh, Heather Graham is also really good in her small part. James Remar is good. The problem is, I think a lot of the rest just does not land. Um, the rest of the cast is not so good, especially um, Kelly Lynch is is flat. She's blatantly awful. She brings nothing to this role. She does nothing with this role. She's just kind of there. And I feel there needs to be more. She, she needs to like, you need to understand these characters and their dynamic. And she is so aggressively flat that it, it hurts it. it. It undermines a lot of it. Um, there's a, a little bit of uh, Grace Zubreski, who is also always just fantastic. Uh, and there's way too much William S. Burroughs because Burroughs um, sucks. I'm sorry, Burroughs, like all the beat poets, are just is just overrated in all ways. Like the Naked Lunch is good, but like, have you read his other work? Don't. And he's not a fucking actor. I get it. He used to get high, and now Matt Dillon is having fun, hanging out with him, walking down the street, pretending he's a character in a movie when he's just being William S. Burroughs. And it's just, it's, it's just there. It has nothing to say about the characters. It has nothing to say about their experiences. It is it is lesser uh, Gus Van Zandt to me. He It has some like stylistic touches, but all this stuff is done better in My Own Private Idaho, which is an actually brilliant film that actually has great performances that actually gets these characters. I don't... I don't think that... Drugstore Cowboy is is bad. I just think it's it doesn't live up to the legacy it's built. Um it is it is one absolutely excellent performance surrounded by a a lot of nothing. 
There, there's little momentum. There's little drive. When he makes his choice, it's not for any reason except because they need it to happen now. I, I, I think like there's there's bits here. There could have been a really good film out of it, but instead, it's just it's a transitional film for van zant and it just for me it just kind of falls a, a little flat don't get me wrong it's still it's a solid six but i don't know it's just one that i i don't understand the love for personally speaking i i feel there's a better film in there than the one that we actually get i'm on team tyler with this one i completely disagree with you dave i think it's um uh, for me i think this is I mean, it's just one of Van Sant's best. Um, I, I think it's, I just think it's wonderful. I'm surprised you haven't uh, told us off for not having read James Fogel's novel. No, I've read the novel. The novel's shit. Oh. I mean, well, the, no- the novel something. is garbage. Fogel was a terrible writer. So is the film better than the novel? No, because the or film has all part. the same issues. Right. It, it doesn't do well with the characters or with the motivations or anything. Uh, like, I get it. Fogel used to live this life, but you need more than that to make an entertaining story for me. Well, that probably makes uh, Tyler and I feel better for not rushing to read the novel because we're, we're going to do it any minute now. Um, I think the screenplay by Van Sant and Daniel Yost works, works well. It's you know, a bit episodic in nature, but it ties everything together nicely. Um, from a kind of fast and loose and, and more energetic start with uh, Matt Dillon's character of Bob kind of heading up the gang when they, they set the, the scam to work to rob the uh, the pharmacies and get their drugs. I think it's, um, I think it's good. I think it, I think gets into that life well and that um you know it doesn't I don't, I don't know it just feels like a a slightly more enjoyable and less completely stereotypical view because Dylan's character is very much you know pretty functioning as this uh, junkie who knows like the dosages and what he wants to to get by he's also very much aware of um that's him that's his life and for the foreseeable future that's all he can see but he's happy with that as long as he can get it made um there's a there's a way to view that without it being romanticized although they do add a, a touch of cool because the main character is a Matt touch. Dillon. Well, it's um, impossible a to touch. avoid when your main character is played by Matt Dillon, isn't it? Uh, but I, I think they still, they still walk the line well between you know these people aren't living in complete squalor and the you know the typical scrawny, desperate junkies that you would see in films about drug use, but they're definitely not the uh, you know, the shirt and tie wearing folks swanning about on normal day-to-day business who have their life all organised. I think it's quite good to have that middle ground. 
I think Dylan is a good pick there. I think uh, Lynch is okay alongside him, but her her character is pretty um, wasted. I think she's the most poorly served by the script. Heather Graham's good for her screen time. I like I like her there. Um, and it's always good to see James Remar pop up. I like his his role, the cop who's uh, on the case. Uh, yes, I knew when I was re-watching this, I remembered that you would appreciate the brief appearance of Grace Zabriskie, Dave. And uh, yeah, uh, James LaGrosse is the other sort of main gang member. And how do you say his surname? Is it Max Perlich? Perlich. Perlich. Who's, um, whenever he appears in anything, I'm just like, I don't trust that guy. And yet the only two things I'll remember he's in most times are Drugstore Cowboy and Maverick. So quite different examples of him still being the little sort of ratty guy that I wouldn't trust. But he's good in this. Uh, I I like it. I like the the soundtrack. There's a few good songs on the soundtrack that are unexpected and enjoyable. I like the structure and as say the way things come together in the script and where the various characters have gone to on their journeys i would say that the weakness uh whether you are aware of him or not is burrows because yeah if you're aware of him then you know that that character feels like it's just too much of a a nice way to cuddle up to you know a a hero or a figurehead for the people in this story. And if you're not aware of him, he's not strong enough in that role to to make that character as as good or, or vital as they should be in the film. So there are flaws, but they're very minor for me. I, I put this up there with the very best of uh, Van Sant's films like i i really like it i i put it ahead of my own private idaho but i really like my own private idaho i just think that's a uh, more of a a mixed bag although the lead performances are excellent there so drugstore cowboy to my recollection and uh, i've still to revisit some van sant movies it's my favorite of his uh from the the current crop that i remember uh, it's been a long time since I've seen To Die For. So I, that think, might I think you're up, both crazy uh, for putting this above. <laughs> to Die For in my own private Idaho. Just the acting in those are just head and shoulders above everything in this. And, yeah, and the visual and I, stuff. Tyler and I know you sit there watching my own private Idaho while reading Henry V and then telling people about all the literary references they missed. And we were in the corner with our duns caps on, just being like, put Drugstore Cowboy back on. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that bad. (laughs) And that takes us to your choice then, Dave. Because I is done, that's all done, and you gave us your name, which is... uh, yeah, from Makoto Shinkai, an animated Japanese film. And give me a minute. You know what? I, I reviewed this. So 
I will Ooh. be able to. I I did the full review some time ago, and I think I did a little plot summary on there that I spotted earlier, and then moved away from the page. So let's see if uh, let's see if I got things right. Uh, Mitsuha Miyamizu lives in the small town of Itamori in Japan. Taki Tachibana lives in Tokyo. For reasons that are never really explained and no concrete explanation is necessary, the two start switching bodies. This causes some confusion, of course, but it soon becomes clear that both of these individuals can bring out the best of one another, with Taki helping Mitsuha to become more popular with school friends and Mitsuha helping Taki get a date with Miki Okudera, a young woman who works with him at his part-time job. Putting a system in place involving notes written on paper and in their phones, the two start to work well together, but it becomes increasingly frustrating to live in such harmony with someone else you haven't met. As the two try to make a real meeting happen, some more details come to light that make things even more frustrating. How'd you like them apples? Yay! Applause, applause, applause. I, I thought it was good. I know there... I know you do get, you know, a bit more about the uh, body switching, but, you know, there's, it doesn't really say, oh, this is happening now because of this, which is fine. Uh, I I like your name. I think it's, uh, I think it's gorgeous. Uh, you know, any fan of Japanese animation should check this out for the, for the quality of the art and uh, enjoy some of the, the beautiful moments here. I do think it's not uh, a great film. I think it's a good one. And there there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, It does repeat gags that are kind of in line with uh, teen comedy version of this, which, I mean, it kind of is in parts, but... There are only so many times you want to see a boy waking up in a young girl's body and immediately check his breasts, which is a running gag that is then uh, mentioned later on, and uh, vice versa. And also, though, um, it it feels like it was initially conceived as a, a miniseries and then packed together in a film form and packed together in a way that wasn't as careful or streamlined as it should have been because you get a montage I'm going to say it's it's about 20 to 25 minutes in that feels like an opening credit sequence for some series that you're not watching because it's there in the middle of the film and that that threw me again this time because, uh, you know, it came flooding back to me that, yes, this happened. And, like, it, it just doesn't quite have that film flow it just in terms of actual cinema. The plotting is quite good. I do, I do enjoy it. And uh, making that fantastical premise work is uh, you know is the fact that they've done it so well is um is a big plus. I really like the ending, uh, the the very end, but I'm not so keen on the the actual third act, uh, the, the way things pan out. Um, it's it's got a better middle section than anything else as they are getting used to 
the situation and helping one another and also aggravating one another. And and you get to spend more time seeing these characters develop, which I think, I think that and where it sort of leads at the very end, I think those two things are the biggest strengths of the film, other than the, the gorgeous moments of animation, which is at times like truly gorgeous, as you'd expect. So I like this one. I think I remember it getting a lot of love when it came out. Um, it was either this or Weathering With You, or or maybe both. And for me, it just isn't up there with the very best of Japanese animation. Uh, although people might disagree if they're looking you know, purely at the, um, the visuals. But I like it. I, I like it a lot. I, I would happily rewatch this anytime, but I just don't like outright love it. Which is my way of saying sorry Dave, it's a really nice Kevin Seven. See people, I, I do like anime. Uh this was pretty damn good. Uh it, it it's also like absolutely gorgeous to look at. It's beautifully animated. I, I never thought an anime romance film would work as well as this did. Like I love romance movies dearly, but like I said in the past, I'm super hit and miss when it comes to animation and being able to personally connect with animated characters. But the chemistry here is fucking flawless. And I really got behind these characters I love the elements here of like being a teenager and growing up and trying to find that one person who brings out the very best in you as a person. It's all set in this very fantastical world that has like body swapping and stuff, but it still feels grounded, which is great. Uh, voice cast is solid uh, with without spoiling anything, because I really don't want to spoil this for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. I I don't think it's perfect. I think there's a couple minor issues with plot holes. And I agree with Kevin. I think that third act runs a bit longer than it should. Like, those first two acts are so good. And it's not that the third act is bad. It just, I just wish it would have ended a little bit sooner than it did. Uh, But with those very small gripes aside, the script is wonderful. And it hits every single emotion under the sun. I dug this one a lot. And um, I would... uh, I would happily watch this one again. So yeah, this was a this was a solid pick, Dave. Good stuff. Uh, this this film was made in completely in under a year and a half. Uh, he pitched it to Toho in September of 2014. Uh, I think they greenlit it in December, and it was being screened in July of 2016. So yeah, there's that weird montage scene that is obviously there to stretch out the runtime because it reuses scenes you just saw. Absolutely agree with Kevin on that. Uh, besides that, I think he's he's full of crap for the rest of it because this <laughs> is uh, realized characters in an emotionally grounded story that works because of that. Sure, the third act's a little hokey, but I mean, anything with this setup is going to have a hokey third act. Um. I think it's gorgeous. Not just the animation, because the animation, some of this is just like tears to your eyes, beautiful. But the characters and their interactions with each other, um, it's it's great. 
I, I think there's v- much less wrong with this than in something else I watched this week. Um, no, it's not perfect. But this is a movie I like to bring up when I talk about Oscar snubs because this should have won the best animated feature the year of its release. Instead, it wasn't nominated and uh, Zootopia won because best animated features really just an ad for shitty Disney movies. And the only time things don't win is when Disney doesn't release a film that year, which is insane. Uh, The director's follow-up Weathering With You also got really great reviews and is even better. Uh, It ties into this because uh, the lead characters show up in a cameo. Also did not get nominated for best animated feature. And uh, again, Disney won that year with another mediocre, lazy release. Um, But, you know, who needs actually good stuff to get celebrated at the awards ceremony that they swear is about recognizing the best in the medium you know whatever that's not important right uh the soundtrack is by a group called the Radwimps. i think they do all of uh, makoto's films after this one it is an absolutely excellent soundtrack every track just fits perfectly um i believe that it's one of the Top-selling foreign language films. It it was just below uh, My Neighbor Totoro for number two. Uh, I, I don't know if that'll stand once uh, Godzilla Minus One comes out on disc, because that's blown away all in uh, foreign feature records, except for discs so far. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's an incredible piece of work that was made in a ridiculously short amount of time. Uh, they're going to do an American uh, live action remake, and it's it's going to suck. Uh, currently, it's it's being written and directed by um, Carlos Estrada, who did um, Blind Spotting. Did you guys see that? Yes. The- Yes, that was a great movie. Yeah, that was that was a solid one. And um, oh, what was the other movie he did? Uh, oh, Disney. Speaking of Disney, he worked on um, he he did Raya and the Last Dragon, which is not a great movie. But I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it it turns up. But the animated one is great, and Kevin's a liar if he said otherwise. You're a liar, Kevin, for saying otherwise. You okay? Nah, I'm, you know I'm kidding. It's time to pick one. You know what my pick is, and I, I know I was losing this week. I knew it was going to be an embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going with Drugstore Cowboy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah, nobody is surprised by that. Sorry, Dave. I don't. Not that, not that your name wasn't great. It, I thought it was great. So. I am not offended by this. Did you think I was? I was just giving you shit. Uh, although, don't um, don't count the films of a uh, Shinki Makoto out for the rest of this month because uh, I know something you don't know. But before we get uh, to that, 
What are you guys making us watch for next week? Oh, uh, you you better go to because I need to pick something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one of one of my comfort genres of film are the like James Patterson style police procedural serial killer thrillers. So uh, next week we are watching the 2004 film Twisted, starring Ashley Judd. Did she star in all of those James Patterson novel adaptations in the 90s and 2000s? Uh, she was in Kiss the Girls. She was she was not in Along Came a Spider. That was Monica Potter. Um, well, no, I mean like just the general because like there was a ton of like Double Indemnity and um, oh yeah. Uh, Eye of the Beholder, yeah, Double the, Jeopardy. Yeah, uh, there's like a the whole one, yeah. subgenre based on them. The I, one I we're mean, watching. They, the one yeah. we're watching next week. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, they weren't all based on Patterson, but they were all Patterson like. I think that whole subgenre is just Patterson like. They all yeah. take from Patterson. Yeah, now if only it had a name. The Ashley Juddies. The Juddies. Yes. No. She's not in all of them, just most of them. Copycat. Just 80%. Yeah. Kevin, you you got one? Come on. Uh, Yeah, we are going to be watching the classic that is um, um, The Replacements. Nice. Uh, Keanu Reeves and Co. in The Replacements. I've seen that movie wow, look at, at you. 50 times. At least 50 <laughs> times. I'm not even kidding. Kevin is totally gunning for... Uh, he's totally gunning for that sweet, sweet Super Bowl tie-in. Oh! Yeah, wow. I yeah, was, that was perfect. <laughs> I was going to... Uh, you, there's a title on my shelf. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it is because Tyler will get far too excited. But I'll message you, Dave, what I almost picked and then realized the runtime. It would have guaranteed me, if not a sweep, at least a Tyler vote. Ooh. And uh, I was going to jokingly tie it in with uh, February being the month of romance. But uh, we, we've all dodged a bullet there. Yeah, uh I was going to announce a different uh, killer pick, but it, it ties into one of the movies we watched this week. Uh, she wanted to pick Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, but uh, there are some movies she is not allowed to watch, and that one is just a little too... It's a little too violent for her. But she got to pick it, so then she would be so, allowed to watch it. Yeah, that was exactly her plan. Like She saw it on, I, I think, Hulu. She, she sw- scrolled past it. And she just got obsessed with the title. She's like, I'm gonna pick that. I'm I'm gonna pick that. But no, when when a responsible adult watched it, they went, No, there's no way you can watch it. Because I am not a responsible adult. I've been like, fuck yeah, let's watch that shit. So so that wasn't allowed, which uh after after a minute of deep contemplation, she decided uh that we should watch the newest uh Shiniki uh, Makoto film Suzume. I have heard of this. Yeah, it's another one that did uh, pretty well and also the, was not nominated for the Oscar. Right, okay. I, I haven't seen it. I assume it's about a first love and something weirdly supernatural going on because 
that is most of his work. Although he does have a very sweet, naive approach to things, and I, I'm, I'm a fan. So, you know, I, I still think Kevin's wrong. I'm just kidding. I, you know I'm kidding. I would love to. Uh, we're on the gram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. We're on Facebook, where I sometimes remember to post stuff on Wednesday. Maybe Friday, maybe Thursday. You never know what day you're going to get. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment on Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. And you can always email us at RaidersOfThePodcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, that would have won a Tyler vote. He would actually have been <laughs> indebted for you for months. Um, I know. Tyler would be dying over what the ace up my sleeve is Wow. Now. All right. <laughs> I need to know what this fucking movie is. I'm sure you'll find out soon enough. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'll I'll talk to you next week. Uh, You can check out Drugstore Cowboy on uh, Criterion and Tubi and a bunch of other free streaming services. And uh, your name is currently on Criterion. See See you.